Good morning, church family. It's so good to see each and every one of you here this morning. If you're our guest this morning, thank you so much for being with us. If it is your first time, um, welcome. We're delighted to have you with us. If you wouldn't mind, it would be such a tremendous blessing to me if you'd take that envelope in front of you in the pew and just give me a, a few details about yourself, your name, maybe an email address. If, if you'd be inclined, a phone number, I'm not going to harass you. I just want to uh, reach out to you, see how I might pray for you, and also to find out about your visit here this morning. We're so delighted that you would choose, out of all the great churches in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area that you chose to worship with us today, it's a delight. It really is a delight to have you. We're continuing on with our Advent series this morning as we approach really what is week four of Advent. Today's um, heading is peace, and I'll get to the sermon title in just a moment, but this sense of God with us, Emmanuel, that's what uh, Emmanuel means, God with us. God with us brings hope in the midst of a hopeless world. God with us brings love when the world is perverting that into so many other things, and we're distracted and uh, tempted in our own to make that something else. God with us brings joy, unspeakable and full of glory. That was last week. And then today we come to peace. Let me ask you a question, though. As you think about um, Christmas, what are some of the images that pop into your mind? So some of you may have been out looking at some, I don't know, lights. How many have gone to McCaddenville already this season? Anybody in the room gone to see the lights at McCaddenville? How many of you have driven somewhere on purpose just to look at Christmas lights yet? All right, I see that hand all over the building hands going up all over the building. Uh, it sounds evangelistic, doesn't it? So, uh, so I see those hands. We've done lights. Ha have any, has anybody been to any Christmas shows? Uh, Christmas sh if you were here for the children's production, that counts. So Christmas show. Oh, good. Look, hands everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. I don't know what images pop into your mind when you think of Christmas. Uh, Vivian uh, singing the glow. Vivian uh, had doing Gloria pops into my mind when I think about Christmas and some of the cute angels and sheep and shepherds and characters from our own play. I think of uh, the sights and sounds around our neighborhood. They announced a contest this year for best lit up house and folks apparently found money in their backyard and bought out Lowe's and Home Depot and there are lights everywhere in the neighborhood um, this, this year. It looks great uh, from that aspect, I suppose. Do you think of war, though? Probably not. Do war and Christmas go together? Well, actually, they don't normally fit in our minds together, but I want to point you to this image of the peace that the Lord is speaking of this morning with a, a great little story from um, our history as a nation. The cold cruelty of war seems about as far as you can get from the warm generosity of Christmas, the pain and suffering that comes with the battle seems at opposite ends of the joy and peace of celebrating the Lord. But for those who fought in World War I, Christmas arrived in the midst of an intense global battle. Now, life in the trenches was ugly, and the new technologies of the day, this was pre-drones for precision strikes and all that, the new technologies of the day were tanks, mustard ghasts. These were effective destroyers and also painful destroyers. 
Early in the war on Christmas Eve in 1914, many German and British soldiers took peace into their own hands. On that Christmas Eve night, some German soldiers began singing Christmas carols and playing them on the instruments they had. And the Allied forces that were nearby this this neutralized zone joined in. And even though the languages were different, the songs were the same. Early on Christmas Day, German soldiers walked across the scarred landscape, unarmed, and began shouting, Merry Christmas to their enemies. The Allied forces, a little distrustful at first, slowly crawled out of their trenches and joined them, shaking hands, exchanging gifts of, please don't do this this Christmas, cigarettes and pudding. (laughs) Hopefully not, anyway. And they sang Christmas carols together in their own native tongue. History.com says that there was even a documented game of soccer during this unofficial ceasefire. Can you imagine the sight of that? Can you imagine the sight in the midst of World War I, this sight unfolding in real time? It was never repeated, but there's very rarely been anything like it in recorded history. Christmas is typically and rightfully thought of as a season of joy, but for some, and some sitting on pews at Grace Covenant Church this morning, and for some right now watching, you might be holding a a device, you might be watching on a television screen or a laptop. For some of you, it's a painful season. What battles are you facing today? What pain is relentlessly bombarding you as you hunker down for the Christmas season? What darkness is haunting you even under the glow of twinkling lights? We may not be able to end all the personal, emotional, and cultural or physical wars that we're fighting on this holiday There may not even be an an official ceasefire that happens for a moment, but I want to tell you something that we know as Bible-believing Christians. God is with us. And His presence alone brings a peace that passes understanding. Today, as we continue our Advent journey toward Christmas, I want to introduce you to the Prince of Peace. I'm praying for you in this building. I have been. I'm praying for you watching online. Praying that each of us will experience the comfort that only Christ can bring. For some of you, it's a recalibration. You've gotten distracted. You've gotten off track. You've put your eyes on the temporal things. For others still yet, you've yet to really, really come to know the Prince of Peace as Lord and Master and sovereign ruler over your life. This could be your day. Now, we mentioned this Christmas narrative in Luke 2 in the title of the sermon again on the screen, God with us brings peace. That's a familiar passage. You all have read it. It may sound a little funky because it's not in King James, right? All of us like our modern versions until we get to Christmas time, and then when somebody starts reading it, it's a version like, what's, that kind of reminds me of the Bible. What's he saying? Anyway. <laughs> 
So uh, we get here with the shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. That's the authorized version, by the way. And uh, they're out in the field, and, and here's the narrative. Listen, last year I went, I dove deep on some of the characteristics of the shepherds. Not doing that today. I just want to bring out one lesson that's clearly evident from them. Here it is. You ready? It's point one, four points this morning. This kind of peace that passes understanding, this kind of peace that God brings comes from heaven. So, so this is not something that's mustered up or worked up or psyched up here on earth. It just doesn't last that way. This comes from heaven. The shepherds often get a bad rap. I mean, they're outside with stinky animals. They're certainly not the doctors and, well, doctors didn't have that great a rap in the day either, but they're certainly not the upper echelon of society. In fact, if you're putting it two polar opposites, you would put the religious elite, right, the Pharisees and the Sadducees at one end, and then the shepherds at the other end. That, that's kind of how you would divide society. Very few mothers would, in the womb, like hold that first baby shower and have that baby there and everybody come over and bring gifts. And like, you know, what's his name? And they'd share the baby's name, Thomas or whatever, and say, well, what do you think? I just hope he grows up to stink like a shepherd, right? It was just not just not the way that went. It was, it was not the aspiration of a lot of families. Even though the patriarchs were shepherds, it was not held in high esteem at the time. The Egyptian uh, were, were um, catalytic in that. Of course, the Romans also despised them. But you've got those two extremes. So imagine the surprise on the star-filled night as these shepherds are tending their flocks and the brightest star in the sky begins to dim, and we catch a glimpse of something spectacular happening. I know you've seen it already. I can't read it as wonderfully from an audio perspective as Jeremy's voice is every day. But let's look at it one more time. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. What's going on here? Well, as if the vision of this angelic being is not enough, then this glorifying guy speaks. <laughs> and he speaks to the shepherds. And the angel says to them, fear not. Easy for him to say, right? Fear not, for behold, I bring good, you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Wait for a second. We pause right there. They're going, what? <laughs> the shepherds are thinking, this is coming to us? What? Did you know this was coming? I didn't know this was coming. What's going on? This guy's talking. And then as if that wasn't enough, there's more, literally more. Because then the whole sky fills up with a great multitude. And suddenly, verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, let's say it all together, shall we? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, the kids did better in the play. I'm just going to put that out there but I'll take it. You sound good this morning. That those words are almost as unbelievable as the messengers are themselves because those words are proclaiming peace from heaven to people on earth, and not just any people. God was saying, I'm going to put my favor on people. 
And God is delivering this message not to the upper echelon of society, but to the lower echelon of society. He's showing up to the shepherds. The angels are making a proclamation of peace, and they're making it to shepherds. Just think with me for a moment the confusion and probably the doubts that are probably going through their heads there. Wait, I... I think they might have gotten the address wrong. The GPS has sent them to the wrong location. Like Apple Maps is messing up again. I don't know what they're thinking, trying to figure out how this angelic visitation happened with them. But, but then they probably thought back through what they knew of the Bible. Angels don't make mistakes. They respond and go at God's bidding. So I, I guess that's us. Is God extending his favor to us? Is his peace with us? Let's go check this thing out. It just wasn't supposed to happen to shepherds. Supernatural encounters with God's messengers were not the things that shepherds got to enjoy. God seems to be turning everything on its head. Think about that. That's what the Christmas story is about. God, our God, our creator God, the God that spoke this world into existence, taking on the form of a servant. Deity robing himself in flesh and not showing up as the 30-year-old minister proclaiming the kingdom of God, but as a baby in a manger. God's turning it on his head. And not only when he's sending Jesus, he's turning the way he does his messages on its head. Can I just remind you of this monumental truth from this first point that I hope that you take with you. Listen to me carefully. I I don't care what society says about you. I don't care what your friends say about you. I don't care what uh, culture would say about you. What matters most is what God says about you. And let me remind you this morning, God's favor is not based on human standards. Teenagers in the room, hear me this morning. God's favor is not based on human standards. People pleasers in the room, hear me today. God's favor is not based on human standards. Jesus' arrival for the shepherds marked the starting place of this peace that was proclaimed by the angels, but that's not the first place this kind of peace shows up. This peace is not based on a class or position or occupation. It's based on God's purpose and His sovereign design to use us as ambassadors for His will. Wow. Glory to God in the highest. This peace Shows up in the Old Testament too, though. Second point this morning. This peace that we're talking about today brings wholeness. Numbers 6. If you've got your Bibles there, there's one in front of you. You probably already had it out for Luke. Well, you probably had that one memorized. But in in Numbers 6, that's in the Old Testament toward the front of your Bibles. Numbers chapter number 6. Way back in history, as recorded in the Old Testament, when God gave the law to Moses and set up the roles and duties of the priests, one of the things that he gave them as a blessing to the spiritual life of those around them was the fact that they could bless the spiritual life of those around them. And we see that in this incredible blessing that we still use today in churches. 
in number 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Hebrew word that's used in that blessing and throughout the Old Testament for peace is the word shalom. Now, I'm sure that I mentioned this last year because I can almost hear myself saying it, but it's popped into my head and I've got to chase it for just a second. When we were in Israel, we're looking at all these incredible gifts and, and Ashley and I are thinking about what mementos do we take back home and there was stuff carved out of, you know, um, olive trees that were taken from a seed of one from the Garden of Gets. I don't know if any of that's true. We bought six, right? That's how it goes. We were sold, right? This very convincing sales guy. Here's a, here's a, a wonderful, beautiful nativity carved in a lot. I mean, we were just like, like calling, can we get a loan? We wanted to buy everything. It was great. And, and we're looking at all these incredible, meaningful things. And one of the most meaningful things we have, we didn't pay for. And it's the little tiny communion cups that were hewn out of wood where we took communion together in the Garden of Gethsemane. Wow. I mean, you know, that's a special thing. And as we're scanning this and looking around, we look up and it's like um, Paula Deen had some influence in Israel because there on the wall was a sign that said, Shalom, y'all. <laughs> I said, I, I, don't, I don't want any of that. So uh, anyway, who what? Yeah, I think some of our family did buy one of those. Um, they'll go nameless Lawrence's if you're watching this morning. Um, so, shalom, it's not a light word, it's a heavy word. It's, it's one of those words that gets down deep inside of you. Listen to me, the shalom, the peace that the Bible's speaking of here is not the absence of fighting. This kind of peace reflects, watch this, safety and completeness and wholeness because of who God is, not what's going on around you. It's the type of peace that God brings when he becomes God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. We heard it read already this morning in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Shalom, of the increase of his government and of Shalom, peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of the hosts will do this. Like you, I am longing for a day sometime soon when it is the zeal of the Lord of hosts that will fuel the justice and the peace that this world is craving. We don't have that now. We have politicians jockeying for position and clamoring for power to exert godless influence over our lives in every nook and cranny of our lives. But hang with me, church, as we're waiting for Christmas Day to show up, we who know the Lord Jesus Christ are also waiting for a day when Christ will return and make all things new. He's coming back. That's what Advent does. It stokes the fires of our anticipation not to crack open a gift on Christmas morning, but when the Lord will crack the eastern sky and call for his bride. 
The Jews of Jesus' day wanted a Messiah to fix the political dilemma of the day. We think we've got it rough. I'm not saying we don't or minimizing our pain. I do want to acknowledge that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are actually living under dictators and totalitarian rule, and their churches are thriving, just as a side note. Um, not wishing that on us, just saying, hey, God's got this. Emmanuel means God's with us in prosperity or famine. So here we see the Jews of that day wanting God to fix their political. They wanted the Romans out. They were living under the iron rule of the Roman Empire. This was not by choice. They were a conquered people who were being exploited at the mercy of a powerful military empire. The Jews, though, also understood if they would admit it. Opening up the Old Testament, opening up their Bibles at the time, they would have seen that God had promised shalom, a wholeness, a safety, a security because of who God was, and he was still their God. It was foundational to their faith and culture. It's foundational to the way they interact with one another even today. This completeness and wholeness is what Jesus brought into our world, and thank God, brother or sister, he left it too. He didn't take it with him when he went back to heaven. He left peace for us to access. This kind of peace is the kind that calms our souls deeply. It's the calm acceptance that causes us to sing, it is well with my soul while there's a raging inferno around us. It's the calm that finds its way out of the hearts and on the lips of the martyrs of Christian and church history who stood literally dying for their faith. And I know we young people use the word literally often. I mean literally when I say literally. Being killed because they named the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and would not bow to the political or church leaders that were caught trying to get them to recant. And they would sing, it is well with my soul. Peace. Do you have that kind of peace? Yes, there'll be the absence of war and hatred when Christ returns, but this peace is an extension of who God is. The shepherds experienced this peace because it came from heaven. This peace the Bible talks about brings us wholeness thirdly this morning. How does all this work? Well, it works because this peace is a person. It's a person. Near the end of Jesus' life and ministry, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples shortly before he would be carried off and crucified. Turn with me to John, chapter number 14. John 14, you can see the whole context there. I encourage you to do that. Time won't permit us to this morning. But in John, the 14th chapter, Jesus utters these wonderful, beautiful words. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Can I give you just 15 seconds or so to read that verse to yourself quietly? Jesus knew that his followers were about to experience a crushing blow. But he had a gift for them that was different from anything in our world. His peace is not like the world signs on a treaty and abandons the next day. 
That's not the kind of peace he gives. Old, we used to have an old gospel song that says, this peace that I have, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. This is not a gift that can be taken away, nor is it something we can create on our own. Hear me, this peace is not the absence of pain. It's not the absence of hurt. It's not the absence of noise or distraction or violence or uncertainty. This peace is a person who is present in the midst of all that. This is Jesus Christ, Jesus with us, the Prince of Shalom with us. And his assurance to his disciples is the same assurance that we have this morning. His peace is his presence with us no matter what the circumstances. You say, well, it seems like a leap that you're trying to turn an attribute of God into the person of God. It does seem like a leap. Let me take you to my proof text for that, Ephesians 2.14. For he himself is our peace. For he himself is our peace. He's made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. All my midweek folks are lighting up over this verse. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. What? What's going on? Context is king. Jesus and is the peacemaker, he's the peace bringer. Paul here is addressing Jews and Gentiles. The Jews are like, okay, we're okay with Gentiles maybe uh, possibly being in heaven with us, but surely they're gonna be in the south end and we're gonna be uptown. Is that how this works? There's gonna be like a dividing wall for them and for us and Jesus is like, no, no. Paul breaks it down again and says, no, no, no. We're all in Christ together. There's no dividing wall. There's no hostility anymore. There's no looking down one's nose at this point person or that person because we are in Christ together and that brings about a peace God with us brings peace between us and God people want peace from God but in order to get that you've got to have peace with God and that only comes through a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ he is our peace he's the perfect picture of shalom wholeness safety and the restoration of all people to himself christ himself is our peace do you know him like that i, I mean do you have a living relationship with jesus christ I know you said yes to Jesus. You said, uh-huh, when somebody said, do you believe this? But I'm asking you, when the raging inferno is around, when the storms are assailing the ship that you are on in this thing called life, do you have a deep, settled peace? Because Christ is the pilot of your vessel. Last point this morning. This peace transforms us and calms us. You cannot be in Christ and stay the way you were before you knew him as Lord and Savior. You cannot be in Christ and love all of the sin that you used to love before you were in Christ. You cannot be in Christ, according to this Bible, and not be, watch this, being made new. Praise God. You don't need an upgrade. You need a complete overhaul. <laughs> you need to be broken down and built back up in him. 
You need to be in Christ because when we are, we have a peace that transforms us and calms us. How's your Christmas season going so far? We're a week away, right? We're, next Saturday's it. Yesterday was your last Saturday to shop before Christmas. Panic for some of the fellas in the room, right? Wait, what? No, 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 what? Yeah. So um, I was pushing a cart in Hobby Lobby on Saturday morning. I love my wife. I was there alone, pushing a cart in Hobby Lobby, and was glad to do it. If we're honest, if we answer the question, how's your Christmas going, what words would you choose? Some of us would say, busy. I won't name names, but one precious woman of God this morning, um, I know just like one of her eyes turned and started swirling when I asked how Christmas was going. And you know, that's just, it's crazy. Sometimes it's crazy, it's busy, it's hectic, it's frantic. That may describe your lives now, and some of you are like, that's no different than any other day. We just got decorations up, right? It's just a new type of crazy. Maybe it's an overloaded schedule that is robbing you of peace. Maybe it's something more. Maybe there's relational conflict. Maybe there's pressure at work or a lost job or an illness or, I mean, the list could go on and on, couldn't it? For many of us, peace Sounds like a long way away, like the Panthers shot at the playoffs. It just seems untenable this year. It's just so far elusive, it's hard to get there. For some of you, it seems like a foreign word, and, and you're like, well, that's good. We can have that on Sunday morning when we sing Silent Night. But other than that, I, I, it's a nice idea, but I don't know. If that's where you find yourself today, can I encourage you this morning that Jesus Christ shows up in the midst of storms and he can speak peace. Turn your Bibles to Mark 4. This is our last text this morning. I'm finishing. I'm almost done. Mark chapter number 4. I had you flip a lot this morning. That's okay. At church, right? You didn't think I'd just let you sit, did you? Mark 4. I want to remind you that he's there with us when love seems to have lost its way and the way forward seems unclear. The disciples who lived with Jesus every day and saw him and heard him had a hard time getting this. So if you have a hard time experiencing the peace of God all the time, it's okay, you're in good company, the disciples did too. They're on the boat, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And in Mark chapter number four, this must have been some storm because these fishermen who were on this thing all the time were freaking out. It was bad. And a great windstorm, you see it, Mark 4, 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. Somebody said, it's okay as long as the storm stays outside, but when it gets on the inside, something is wrong. The waves are breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he who Christ, he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. My son Josiah has the spiritual gift too. He can sleep through anything. He was asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. With just a command for peace from Jesus, the storm calmed and the sea turned tranquil. The disciples were in awe for very good reason. The disciples sound a lot like us. When things 
were out of control. They started freaking out and felt like God had abandoned them and had no idea what was going on. But Jesus was very much content in the fact that he was the prince of peace. He had so much peace, he was sleeping through the storm. You may think he's not paying attention. You may think God doesn't know the reality of your situation. You may think he is off somewhere distracted. And that thinking will cause your soul, I'm afraid, to spiral at times. And you make a bad situation worse because of the narrative you start rehearsing in your own mind. I want to tell you from the truth from God's word, God is here. God is here. He's with us. He's always present. He knows all that swirls around us and in us. He sees beyond our circumstances. He sees beyond the waves and the winds of life that are assaulting us. The power of his peace isn't diminished by your storms. We can allow it to fill our hearts with calm and courage if we will turn to him, giving our request to him in prayer and focusing on his faithfulness. God will never, ever, ever leave us. He will never fail if it's in his presence of peace that we celebrate our journey toward his return. And it's in the presence of his peace that we can access this and practice peace. I'm gonna ask the musicians to come this morning, all the singers, and Julia to take her place at the piano. How can I practice peace, Pastor Chad? I'm glad you asked. When we come to God through prayer, he changes us. He changes us from the inside out. God's peace is able to bring a powerful transformation in our spirits. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're anxious about or worried about, we can bring our needs and requests to God. I'm going to ask you to read this verse with me out loud in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Let's read it out loud together, shall we? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Watch this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know him like that? If you don't, you can. As we talk to him and give him thanks and unload our burdens on him, he gives us peace. It doesn't seem like a fair exchange, but it's exactly what he promised to do. This is God we're dealing with, the Prince of Peace, the giver of shalom. When we come close to him, when we worship him like those shepherds did, when we connect with him, he transforms us and our outlook. No matter how the storms are swirling about, he can raise his hands and say, peace. Be still. It might seem to you this morning that God doesn't care. Not only does he care, he's here and he's offering peace. Maybe your peace this week, guarding your soul with peace, filling your spirit with the wholeness of shalom and ruling as the prince of peace in your heart. Let's pray together.
Father, we don't want to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, we want to come to you with thanksgiving and let you know what's going on in our hearts and minds. Now, we don't understand all of this transaction and how it works this way, Lord, but would you guard our hearts and our minds in Christ and let your peace, that shalom, flood us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.